1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky,
2: Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky.
1: Hey, this was a big week for the Redcast. We just finalized an 11-day contract with LA Gear worth dozens of dollars in apparel. And Boomer... I'm
3: excited to see Miles staying within the 3,500-mile footprint for Nebraska (laughs) ball recruiting and reestablishing that Lincoln to Reykjavik pipeline.
0: (laughs) And Mac. Redcasters, join me in welcoming back into the fold Cameron Brown, the prodigal son. It's good to have you back, buddy.
2: Excellent. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, just waiting for the day that uh, cord cord cutters get their way and uh, cable dies because then we'll be streaming Husker games on Hulu Plus. <laughs> Amen. Nice. It's going to happen, guys. It's going to happen. Uh, well, you know, we are uh, working our way through fall practice. Uh, last uh, Go Big Red cast, Honky worked up a Twitter poll. Uh, Honk, uh, you want to give us some results on uh, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Uh uh, Redcast fans were split on will any
1: Husker eyeback reach one thousand yards this year fifty two percent of you said yes and forty eight percent said no. As for some of the responses, uh one said that if uh Trey Bryant it will be Trey Bryant if anyone another listener, Justin uh, Fielder said there's just too many mouths to feed. Meanwhile, Husker Redpants said we can run power and counter again. we will be able to throw down the field, and the QB won't be taking as many running reps, so the tailbacks
0: will get greater than Ooh, I like yards. that one.
2: Nice. I like the Twitter handles, yeah. too. I mean, uh, there's some creative names out there. All right. That well, was least
0: like an attempt at a fair answer, which is nice to hear. <laughs> they gave logic and reasoning <laughs> yeah, to wasn't their just, responses. We can't be having that in Twitter. It was just run the ball. That was in 140 that. characters,
2: they actually defended their stance. Difficult. It's very impressive. Yeah, it was nice to very see. Very well done. <laughs> All right. Well, as we go through this show, uh, I'm sure we're going to work up another uh, Twitter poll uh, for next week. So guys, keep that in in your thoughts. Um, let's uh, dive in real quick with a uh, practice report. Um, you know, we don't uh, pretend that we're actually at practice, but obviously, we read virtually every Husker article ever written over the last uh, seven days. So, uh, Honk Boomer Mac, uh, what are you what are you hearing that you like?
1: Well, I'll. I'll- kind of segue in that we had one other Twitter poll and it kind of segues into the practices was that the other poll was about uh, from these first week of practices, we've been having some true freshmen getting praise from the coaches. So how many true freshmen are going to forego redshirting or not? And basically, well, let me see this. 47% said one to three freshmen, 45% people said four to five. So I mean, yeah, geez, that's 92% think that five or less freshmen are going to forego, forego uh, redshirting. And I can tell you right now, I I can definitely see six or more that are going to be playing. And just based off of what we've heard this week, you can look in the backfield with, with how Bradley has been playing, um, whether he gets kickoff returns or not. If you look at, uh, obviously, Lindsay as a receiver, Guy Thomas, I think is going to find a spot on, that, on the uh, DN spot. That's three right there. What's your other three? Oh, I, mean, I, I could look at Raftel, and I can see him. Falling into some type of role as a six-seven tight ends flex receiver, I could see Ben Miles certainly getting some play time. DeAndre Thomas could be playing some DN there. Avery Roberts, Avery or Roberts
0: Ma- is definitely going to Avery Roberts definitely going to McQuitty you know, and yeah. and even Daniel should, Daniel's. Yeah. Cool, uh, Mac. What about yourself? Oh uh, yeah, I will just piggyback back on what Honky said there. I, I would agree with with most of those guys. McQuitty, I think could be a bubble guy. I don't know. He's he looks a little light yet still, but uh, but the depth issue there makes it uh, more of a possibility for him. Tyjohn's probably a no-brainer. You know, all these barring injuries, but um, no, I, I kind of think that number's probably about right, 5-6. to 5-6 to six is where I'd put it pretty comfortably. I'd be interested, Jalen uh, Bradley, uh, how he plays in that backfield. I'm hoping uh, it'd be nice for somebody to step up in that. But, you know, if he's a good freshman running back, that'd be a good sign if he plays this year. That's usually a pretty good sign for running backs.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'd be impressive. I mean, Bradley is, goes from someone who barely qualifies to uh, contributing as a freshman. That's quite the, quite the the change. So that that'd be awesome. Uh, all right, that's solid. Anything else? Uh, I think a
3: good thing to come out of this first week of practice was just that general lack of injuries coming out of it. Some other teams mm-hmm. can, uh, ridden with those. I just saw. Tennessee with Butch Davis, they're considering canceling a scrimmage they were having this weekend because of injuries to linemen. So if that's one thing we can take away from this, that's a that's a huge plus. Everyone's getting good practice time. We're not losing anybody. More practice time for everybody, the better.
0: You yeah, know what else, Michael? Of- you're right because we haven't even really heard of many soft tissue injuries that they sometimes have. You know, aside from the you know the catastrophic you know joint and ligament that kind of stuff, they're not even you're not hearing too much about strains or anything like that. I realize. Uh, Warner did break his hand. That's not, you know, but that yeah, on the whole, scary. for a whole week of camp, yeah, pretty unscathed, knock on wood.
2: Any other updates on uh, position changes and whatnot? I don't know if we talked about this last week or not, but uh, am I hearing right that C- Cahill Davis is now a uh, D-end as well? So he was initially backing up Stoltenberg, but now with Newell over there, he's on the end. Is that correct? That is correct. Um,
1: I envision a guy like Khalil Davis being both the the number two nose tackle and number two DN, whatever it takes. I mean, he'll, he'll be in both of those positions, I'm sure. And they'll be flexible. I'm, you know, Peyton Newell, uh, I said last week, you know, they moved him over to nose tackle. And if at the very least, if nothing else, if he's providing and manufacturing some depth, then that's a positive thing. And he mentioned in a article I read today that he's been getting a lot of reps because they're trying to save Stoltenberg a little bit right now in the in fall camp which makes sense so I think that they they are looking at a lot of different options there on the D line I mentioned you know for true freshmen that I see playing I could easily see DeAndre Thomas and Damian Daniels if for no other reason that it's just more bodies in that mix ideally would you like to redshirt them sure but at the same time if it ends up being that third string guy that's getting reps and there's going to be injuries we know that's going to happen we don't want to get into a situation like Polini ran into and 2012 where we were we're playing wisconsin we don't have defensive tackles and we are sitting aaron curry and uh vincent valentine with red shirts you know at that point you just you need to have you need to manufacture depth and we have a pretty solid six to seven deep on the the d line right now you throw DeAndre thomas and damian daniels and ben stilley into the mix and now you're a good eight nine deep and that's
2: pretty darn good excellent yeah uh, got to have depth especially in the D line so that makes total sense uh all right, well, right all let's mm-hmm. let's uh that's a good intro guys nice little warm up um and uh we'll be uh let's let's go ahead and head into scarlet colored glasses right this is our all things husker program uh segment and uh what i want to throw out to you guys right now is is uh mike riley and his tenure here, we're in year three. And I, I think there's a, some, a divided uh, Husker Nation in some ways uh, on, on the progress we're making under Riley. So the question I think we uh, want to try to attack today is, is this a make-or-break year for Mike Riley? Is there a lot riding on this? Um, does corst uh, have enough um, support from boosters that if it goes south this year, does Riley guaranteed to get to year four or is there some certain threshold that that he's going to need to make uh, guys what are your thoughts on that
3: well, I guess first you have to know what is south yeah I mean if we win three games this year I think any coach would be on the hot seat you know if something disastrous like that happens
2: uh, well is this let's the let's make or break here it, yeah well, let's take it from a a fan perspective here okay I mean uh, what I'm trying to get at is I think there's a lot of fans on the fence uh, they want to be positive about Riley. Uh, recruiting seems to be going in the right direction. We have the right quarterback now, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, there's no real, no proof that we are really going in a direction that we really want to go to. Not just mm-hmm. being competitive and winning nine games, but are we going in the right direction to to win a conference championship and start being relative on the national scene again? Yeah. And there's a lot of ways you can measure that. So I don't know if a win loss is necessarily it, but there has to be some some so the the fan perception of where this uh, uh, Mike Riley uh, regime is going. Well,
0: Matt, well, I'll say, no, go ahead. And, go ahead, hon. Well,
1: I was going to say we are the the nine and four ish nine and four team as as anyone in the country. I mean that is we are the definition of that either the last 9 years we've gone 9 and 4 or 10 and 4 including last year um, as far as win totals and a lot of this gets brought up because of the espns and the las vegas is saying 5 and 7 and 6 and 6 which i we've all kind of agreed makes almost no sense to us we cannot afford to go 5 and 7 or 6 and 6 this year it would be a discredit to the process and the that Riley has gone through in three years he's now built us to a point where he has certainly the QB that he wants a lot of these recruits are his guys if there were any bad apples from the bow regime they're either graduated or gone one way or the other by this point defensive uh, coaching wise and we were very uh, scarlet colored glasses with our defensive coaches but those guys this is his second go-around now Riley's already on the D on the defensive coaching side I mean he's made four changes I think in in two years, so there's not another, you can't go through another D coordinator. So if this doesn't work this year, and the other thing, if it doesn't work, most of those losses that we would look at the schedule and say are going to be losses would end up being in Lincoln. And that's not a good thing. You know, we're playing Wisconsin, Ohio State, Northwestern, Iowa, all at home. So all of those things add up to this is a really important year. I know people look ahead to 2018 because of the schedule, but this is a really important year. And the last part of this is, is that if we didn't do well, if we went 5-7, and seven, like ESPN says, that great recruiting class everyone loves right now, that's going to fall apart. It, it just flat out will. At some point, results have to start being the reason why kids come here and not playing time. And I, and I don't think that we're selling playing time right now. I honestly believe that we're selling quality of play. I think we're selling the ability to get to the, uh, to the pros. I think we're, we're selling the opportunity to play for titles. I do believe we're selling that but it has to start showing up. So that's where I feel like, you know, that's how important this season is. And I'm scarlet-colored glasses by it. I, I, I am.
0: Yeah, I would tend to agree with you on that, Matt. I, we, we, you and I talked about this before about, you know, where, where could you personally stomach this season to go as far as a record? And, you know, we thought seven to eight wins if the football's good you know, is, is, you know, a little more palatable. If you could see progress, if it looks like we're, you know, we're having an identity on offense, if it looks like, um, the defense is making plays, but there's just, you know, a time where a talent gap actually did make a difference. Not where we, you know, kind of screwed up or a, on a hail Mary flute kind of play, you know, Ohio state, we'd all agree probably has more talent than we do. So, I mean, you know, a head to head match, we're both playing great ball. Likely, you know, just they, they would beat us, but if it, we we're at least punching with them, that would be nice. And like Wisconsin, the Iowas, those should be wins. I mean, they really should be. Yeah. But
2: the it, timing of the, the wins and losses uh, uh, play out this year. I mean, is is there you know clearly more forgiveness if uh, we lose to Oregon and and lose the game early, but they, we come back and we you know we go eight and four, but we beat Penn State and Iowa at the end of the year and we look really good doing so. Is there their difference on on when the losses come?
0: Yeah, I think you I prob- think- probably I think you could erase an Oregon loss with an Iowa win or Wisconsin win for sure. But there's only a few games like that that you could probably trade them out, but there are important games to win this year in Iowa between, you know, Iowa, Oregon State or Oregon State, I'm sorry, Oregon and uh, Wisconsin. We've got to have a winning record in that that stretch for sure.
1: Yeah, I think I think you just at the end of the day you have to show enough successes, and you can look at Penn State a year ago. They were going into as late as October, and uh, Franklin was very much on the hot seat. They got they got pummeled by Michigan, and had already lost to in-state rival Pitt um, by that point. I think they were two and two, and yet they were able to turn around and literally win one big game, Ohio State, and the rest they kind of held off the rest of the the schedule, and then. Came back from a, an incredible deficit in the title game against Wisconsin, but Penn State is is a perfect example of, of losing early and then turning around and, and and winning big. I tend to look at this schedule and, and I kind of break it into chunks and I, the game that I'm very bullish on and I don't honestly I don't care if people agree with me or not on it. I think we beat Oregon hands down. I just think that we're we're built to defeat a team like Oregon. I think Oregon, for anyone that's concerned about the, the amount of change that we're going through, um, I think Oregon will be good in a couple years under Taggart, and I like Levitt as a D coordinator, but that's a program going under plenty of change. Uh, I look forward to playing in Autzen Stadium, half the size of the stadiums that we're used to playing in, and we'll probably have 15,000 or 20,000 red in it. But the point is, if you break the season into segments, if you can beat Oregon, you should be 5-0 and when you're playing Wisconsin. When we play Wisconsin, that starts the two-week stretch of Wisconsin and Ohio State, both home games, and is really important to at least split them. But if nothing else, Wisconsin, we've played really well against them under Riley. So it's almost like we're at a point where, jeesh, you know, if we can just get over that hump, we've it's been a last-second field goal and it's been an overtime. If we're 6-0 and coming out of Wisconsin and we're playing Ohio State, we are more than likely, you know, hosting ESPN game day. So, I mean – what that starts to tell you is you're staying you're becoming relevant and we were last year becoming relevant seven games in the season we were relevant eight games in the season after the wisconsin loss because of how we lost to it but then the thing that happened that can never happen is a 62 to 3 pummeling you can never there is no talent gap big enough to cause that 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 went so far beyond talent that was that was a lack of leadership that was a lack of mental toughness that was a team that that they lost the game with their eyes before they even played it. And if you're looking at the other team and you're losing the game beforehand, if you're looking at it and saying we don't deserve to be on the field, then you don't deserve to be on the field. So those are those are moments there. That's a toughness kind of thing that uh, that can't happen again this year.
0: I think that was one of the games. I think that Ohio State game was one of the main reasons you saw such coaching changes in the off season. you know, because mm-hmm. because of exactly what you said. That talent gap is not that big for that score to be allowed. You know, Wisconsin was played down to the wire. We should have yeah, coin flip win that game. There's no Ohio State's good. I'm not saying they're they're not even a, their talent's great. I'm not questioning that, but not that great. I mean, that's we're not that bad.
2: Not sixty-two to three. No, they're and, not, and, and I think that's than us.
0: yeah. I think that's what Riley looked at and was like, nope. It was well one week he hates before, about defensive play.
1: Yeah, one week before Ohio State played us. They they played Northwestern. In the horseshoe and went down to the wire. Yeah. Ohio State played Wisconsin to overtime in Camp Randall, just like we did. Right. Ohio State lost thirty-one to nothing to Clemson, and I read or I heard somebody it was an Ohio State guy talking about how the talent gap that between them and Clemson. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So oh, it's, so it's oh, it's talent. always about talent. The second you can't play, you know,
0: that would put us and at when about Nebraska a lost high
1: nine, level nineteen to yeah. <laughs> When Nebraska lost nineteen to nothing to Arizona State ninety six, it must have been about talent. No, at some point you're just not playing well and things can change. But I look at Clemson and I'm like, Yeah, they they, they beat Ohio State thirty one to nothing. They also should have lost to NC State. They beat Troy by six. They lost, lost to Pitt. The pit. I mean, I don't I can't you can't explain everything with just talent. That's just at some point that doesn't pass the sniff test every time. So right. are we as talented as Ohio State? I'm not saying that we are. Don't misconstrue it as that. Are we a sixty two to three you know, worse team in talent than ta- Ohio State? Absolutely not. No. And I wanna you know, I, I wanna make this very clear. You can turn things around in a hurry against a team. And yeah. no matter how bad you got beat. I mean, we lost horribly to Oklahoma. We were all at that game in two thousand eight. We were down thirty five nothing before Boomer's brother even got to his seat. Yeah, my and nachos were still warm. <laughs> and we won the next, and we won the next year ten three against them. We beat Arizona State, the game I talked about earlier. We beat Arizona State seventy seven to something at in ninety five. In the next season, we lost nineteen to nothing. I mean, things can change from one year to the next, but you know it's not just going to happen. You have to. There has to be leadership, mental toughness, all What's those things.
2: One game on this schedule that, and it might be an easy answer that scares you that it could be another sixty two to three for this year's team.
1: The only one that comes to mind would be Ohio State. I mean, just from, to me, just pure, like, I don't look at at Penn State, I don't look at them and say, oh, my gosh, talent-wise, we can't be on the field with them. I really like, like, Barkley's an amazing running back. Dude, don't get me wrong. And um, other oh, QB, the name's McSorley. McSorley, forward. thank you. He reminds me so much of, like, Joe Gantz. It's, un, it's uncanny. I mean, he's almost the same size, and he's just a gutsy dude, and I, it's fun to watch him. But I don't look at those guys and say, "Oh, geez, we're going to give up 62 points to them." Ohio State's just the one that can, that can explode like that, and that's on our schedule at the very least.
2: Sure, you mentioned uh, you know James Franklin being on the hot seat last year, essentially, and that was year three for him. And you're right; like game five or six is where they essentially turned it around. Uh, it seems like year three is is an interesting, you know, crucial year for most coaching tenures. Um, but it doesn't always mean that if you succeed in year three, that that you're going to go on. I, I think uh, we're, we're going to talk conference breakdown wise about the Pac-12. Both like Arizona State with Todd Graham and Arizona with with Rich Rod, and both of them had success getting those those teams into the Pac-12 title game, and then now they're like on the decline. Like, how do you? I, I guess there's a there's this question with Riley is, is like. He's never done it before, right? Uh, You know, what makes us think? Yeah, short of Canada with the Ottawa Rough Riders in the late 80s. Sorry about that. Don't (laughs) want to discredit the CFL or the the Grey Cup. The
0: man is a champion, is what I believe. I believe he was with the uh, Winnipeg (laughs) Blue Bombers there, Dave.
2: Oh, it was the Winnipeg Blue Blue Bombers. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, but I mean, people are like, "Well, he hasn't done it since, you know, or you know, I guess he hasn't done it since Winnipeg in the late '80s." You know, why do we think he's going to do it now? So, if someone asked you that question and you wanted to say, "I do believe that that Riley's going to get this done,"
0: uh, what would
2: your what's what's your answer to that?
0: I feel like in his entire career, short of maybe Winnipeg, he he's. Absolutely positioned at a place that is so serious about having a winning football program. They will give him every tool he needs to do it. On top of that, I do feel like he's always been well-respected as a teacher and a coach. And he's also always been at a place like Oregon State. There's just no comparison to facilities. There's no comparison to budget. There's you know there's no tradition there to, to, to kind of work with. And the other thing is when he's here... He's not just you know resting on that. They are so actively, aggressively pursuing how they're doing camps, how they're contacting recruits, how they're structuring practices, how they're stretching before and after practices. The man is constantly looking at ways to tweak and improve the game. So I feel like he's made enough right moves that, you know, they try to compare his Oregon State days to his Nebraska days. I feel like he's shattered every perception of that. He's not been... Uh, you know prone to keeping coaches around that he's had for a long time before, which was a huge criticism of his out there. He's been you know aggressive about his social media presence you know he's just had a ton of things he seems super tuned into winning and I, that, 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 that'd be my argument I don't know. I will say that uh, you know off the field already in
1: two seasons, he's already accomplished things that he was never able to accomplish at Oregon State. Uh, There's no way he would have gone into LA and got the the players that he was able to get out of, out of California against some of the schools that he was recruiting against ever at Oregon State. So right away I mean he's already he's already shown some ability to do things he couldn't have done before. He would not have been able to stop a plane and get Diaco for $850,000 and get a, a former Broyles Award winner to be his D coordinator. He never, let alone the fact he wasn't going to get rid of Banker at Oregon State, even if he wanted to, he couldn't have brought in somebody like that. So he's already had, he has some wins. I mean, I think that's important that he has some wins here in the first couple of years that have been off the field. It, it, all the more important why we need to have those on the field wins starting to to, to come up from this. Um, but I, I think that he is he's got a nice blend of he's old school in some ways, and yet he, you know, he hires some of the young guns. He's, he realizes, he studies the the program and he realizes where there's a weakness and how are we gonna make it better? You know, even when something as unfortunate as Bobby Elliott passing away, uh, Gary Darnell, you know, gets hired to be that, that that old sage defensive guy to help his young Buck defensive coordinator who's got a little bit more Pelini in us as we're learning uh, every day. Mm-hmm. But that's good. He needed a little Pelini on defense to go along with the good guy, uh, shucks, Mr. Rogers attitude at the head co- coach spot too. So, I mean, my gosh, it, everyone talks about unknowns and changes and and uh, we have a great uh, listener on, on uh, Twitter, Reed Stryzak He's been paying attention to us and he talked a lot about unknowns and, and I agree. We have unknowns. Everyone does. But... This thing about the thing about our unknowns and our changes that have happened in the last year and the last two years almost universally are better. Who right now is looking at our defensive coordinator position and saying, I wish we still had banker? Who is looking right I now? Know.
2: Yeah, I mean one. Well, banker, looking baby. right now.
1: Banker I, I, I'm is the only big, one in banker's yeah, mom.
2: <laughs> That's bank, true. Yeah, yeah, banker probably yeah, would disagree with you. Yeah.
1: Even his cousin doesn't want him here. Um and then <laughs> And then on top of that, like off, you know, the coordinate or the quarterback. Yeah. I realize yeah, that it's no, a change. Absolutely. And I'm a I'm arguably as big of an Armstrong supporter back in the day. I, I like Armstrong in the right settings. The last two years were not the right settings. So it's a change. And it's so funny. People will talk out of both sides of their mouth. They'll say, well, geez, we um, Armstrong saved us from a lot of sacks. And, and, okay, so he was a good quarterback. Oh, no, he was terrible. He was the worst quarterback I've ever seen. Okay, well, what is it? Well, right now we have a guy, Lee, who Chris Mortensen and the and the, the Manning camp guys and, and, you know, Billy Devaney and all that, everyone seems to think this guy has a pretty good potential in this style of offense. We've got a coordinator who's coached one of the Mannings. Okay, I, I, I look at it and I say it seems like we have a pretty good fit going here. No excuses, right? So if we go 5-7 and seven this year, yeah, I have major issues with Riley. Like you shouldn't come back in year four. You shouldn't be here if you can't make it work with what you have right now sure yeah they, sure. that
0: it would be very very disappointing for him to have really come out and fall flat on our face on offense that that would would bring everything crashing down at least in my mind because what are we building here i mean if he can't get it done with the quarterback that he needs uh we're just not going to get it done we're in the wrong we're on the wrong road but just to go right. back real quick about Tommy Armstrong because I do think he gets a bad rap sometimes. Matt, I think you'd agree. You know, if he would have played here in a different era, if he'd have been here under Tom Os- Tom Osborne, he was perfectly suited for those offenses, and he would have been a great passer in that system, one of the best. So I think Tommy, he was a competitor. You know, he did he did some frustrating things, but he did some great things too. But man, if he would have been here at a different time, he would have been a killer. I think he'd yeah, have just been absolutely amazing. I agree.
2: Yeah, you could run the option. Uh, yeah, Boomer, I'm going to bring in on this one. It's year three, and it seems like year three is now the make-or-break year for any coach, not just Riley. Uh, if you're not turning your program around, making strides by year three, you're on the hot seat. You know, I mean, back in the day, you had got at least five years to make this happen. Is it fair to these coaches that uh, they get three years to, to turn something around, or is just just the pressure? I mean, that's expected because of how much they get paid now.
3: Yeah, a lot of it is, I think, there is pressure for it. I mean, we're paying these coaches how many hundreds of thousands of dollars and not millions of years in some cases. You've got to show some sort of progress. I, I think the key is when we're saying this is a make-or-break year, it's kind of what you know, McGuire and hockey have been saying. It's not just that we're expecting to go out and win the Big Ten this year. I don't think anyone's realistically expecting that. I think what people want to see is we need to see this offense working the way it's supposed to be working. He's got quarterbacks he wants. He's getting recruits. We need to see improvement on defense. Maybe it won't be perfect every game, and certainly not going to be with a brand-new system. But he needs to give us kind of that vision going forward, give us something to build on for year four, which going into the year four, I think everyone's got predicted is going to be just challenging just based on the schedule alone. You compare it to this season, and it's probably even a step up from there. All of our tough games are on the road, and we – Got a heck of a lot of them in the east side of the division. Sure, you know that that season. So, yeah, I think three years you just have to show improvement. I think is what people are looking for, and I think it's fair to do so, really, because you can't wallow in you know five six wins a year at a major program like this with the expectations fan bases have. Now with Riley's got the challenge. I think there's going to be a certain percentage of the fan base that's never going to be happy with him unless he becomes the second coming of. You know, option football under Osborne or something like that. They're never going to want what he does. Yeah, you, know, you are get the people those that are. Fans that I don't are, either. It, the ones that are like hoping he fails. I don't quite understand that. Uh, the ones that would apparently be upset if he actually won the division and made it to the the Big Ten title game. Right. right. You know, yeah, you know, that's no, where
0: just that's where your fandom goes crazy to me. Yeah, I'm like, starting
3: to think uh, fan doesn't mean what they seem to think it means yeah. in that point. So.
0: You're just rooting for your opinion to work. That's, that's exactly. a weird fan. Yeah. We don't need I, those I, fans. You're a fan <laughs> of your opinion, not the team anymore. Yeah.
1: I, like, I, You know, I've made it very clear. I can't – I really don't like the style of offense that we're going down. I just prefer what? that we – Oh, you know, I didn't know that. You I know, you know that. Wait that's a minute. That's shocking.
0: And yet, pause.
1: Breaking news
3: here.
0: On- <laughs> There's something about your <laughs> style of offense you don't enjoy. And yet, on,
1: and me. yet, who really cares what Honky likes about our offense? If it works, and if it scores points, and if our defense plays like black shirts, and and we're beating the Ohio States, and, and we're filling up Memorial Stadium. I mean, my God, fans! It. No one's asking things to be perfect. And and one of the things that that and. Just annoys me with fan bases in general, and Nebraska has has our share of it too. Is that we have no sense of history? That's the you truth. You know, Tom Osborne. Oh my God! For twenty five years, it was glorious. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was this guy was fired thousands and thousands of times throughout the state, throughout those twenty five years. Every Oklahoma game was gut wrenching. Every bowl game that we lost was gut wrenching. He couldn't win the big game. He he didn't pass enough and then when he would passed too much and we you know stunk then it was something else it was always something and it's and that was a guy that was going 9 and 2 and 10 and 2 and every single season yeah and his the guy was 255 record. 49 and 3 in his career and and he, yep. he went through that kind of you know he almost left in 78 because of it devaney built this program from nothing and was almost fired 6 years later for going 6 and 4 a couple times that's I need it too. I'm not. I'm not preaching. I'm telling you that we all need to have just a little perspective. Eat some dip. St- take a step back and like, and and, and realize that we're all what on the same team here. Like we deep, well, yeah, blue cheese. I don't know. But we all we all want this program to be great. And whether the offense looks like what I want it to look like or not is absolutely a moot point. Get over yourself. If you're a Bow guy, get over it. It's over. Get over it. If you don't like. Riley, for some reason, get over it. If you like showing up on Saturdays at Memorial Stadium, then get behind the program, get behind the team. Be be constructively critical at times, and I think we try to do that on this show. Like, we're not sitting here, scarlet-colored glasses about sure. every single thing. I'm not sitting here telling you that we're going to have all Americans up and down every position, that we're going to win national titles this year. I'm telling you, I don't think that we're going to go 5-7 and seven or 6-6. Six and six. How, That's what did, I'm telling you right now.
2: To wrap this up a little bit before I, I take it to the, kind of a, a wider um, coaching hot seat question, uh, just randomly, each one of you guys, how uh, high were you on the Nebraska 2017, Callahan's fourth year, like preseason, like in August of, you know, 07? You're going in. Uh, were you optimistic that was going to be a really good, good year for Nebraska football?
1: I remember reading the USA Today that had Nebraska playing in the Rose Bowl, I think. And gosh dang, I don't know if it was against Michigan or somebody. I, I can't remember who the opponent was, but I remember reading that and going, oh, that, that sounds good.
0: I can remember the, <laughs> that. You know,
1: the last time that we had ESPN game day here for the USC game that day, that uh, time. And it was, what was it, corn versus porn? Was that the thing <laughs> that yeah, was, Jim Rohn did? Awesome. So, yeah, you know, at, at that point, I mean, the, the – Again, people ha- lack sometimes that sense of history. There were some unbelievable things that were going on in that 2007 season. We were going to be a top ten team. We were we were hosting USC in front of ESPN Game Day, and then yeah, it just it, it blew
0: up. But I mean, we had I had great expectations at that point. Oh, I was so upset. Part of me died that day. <laughs> One of the and like and, and <laughs> Nicole will will say, oh, she was just I was ruined. I was so mean. Like when I got home, I didn't want to talk about anything. <laughs> I was just like, "This is." I'm like, "You don't understand. We're not equipped." I go, if "This is as good as we are. We're terrible. I don't. and We're gonna have to fire him, and then we start all over." I mean, I was crushed. That game. was And absurd. you were correct. Yeah. So if I can, if I can say
1: one thing that I think I, I have actually seen improvement under the Riley era, compare the 2007 season there, and compare what Pelini's entire career was. The amount of games in that USC game, people forget, I think we were up at the end of the first quarter. We were we punted to them where they dropped the punt and then picked it up, and the guy broke a broke a tackle and ran it a number of yards back, and it kind of – and then one time we kicked him down to their one-yard line and they hand it off to the fullback and he goes 50 yards. It was just like – but there were these moments where we had control of that game very early on, and then it just flipped on us. And then you fast-forward to Pelini, and we – Go and play at at Ohio State back in two thousand twelve, and we're up seventeen seven. Urban Meyer is faking punts on his side of the field, and he can't, and it's not working. And five minutes in the second quarter, we have total control of the game. And ten minutes later at halftime, we're down. They scored twenty eight points in ten minutes. Wisconsin, the first time the, the first game we ever played yeah, in the I Big Ten, we're hook. at yep. that game. Yep. We were ahead, you know, five three five minutes left in the second quarter, yep. and then it just turned around on us. In Wisconsin, the next time when Gordon ran for the uh, the 400 yards, we were up 17. Well, but your point is, Riley doesn't have we, that type of. We haven't threat. had that. At least, at least call it consistent or not, at least when we got beat by Ohio State, it was as consistently, <laughs> yeah, we were, it was <laughs> as thorough the beginning as of a beating as you were going to have. They but had their foot it's on not th- th- the There's not the game. highs and lows. Yeah, it, it wasn't the high and low at the same time. All right, so let's, let's just get some more highs.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, wrap this up really quick. Um, national coaching hot seat stuff. Uh, who's your, like, you know, top three guys that you think you watch out for might get canned this year? Anybody Can I right say right? Hugh Freeze? Yeah, oh, yeah, already too late, him down. too late. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> uh, what about Brian Kelly at Notre Dame? Do you feel like he's... Filling heat over there, he went. Well, I think he wants to
3: leave if he could, if he he can find a way out. I think he'd have to leave. So yeah,
1: intriguing. I feel like I think it's a crazy thing right now. But D'Antonio at Michigan State, just because of the off-field stuff, and if they have a something that mirrors, he's kind of the the Devaney of '67 and '68. He created his own. He created his own standards there. That now, if they don't go ten or eleven and eleven and two or something, that you know he legitimately has potential to, to be getting canned. Good point, I feel like and I
3: think the I think there's a trio in the SEC that you might be seeing one of them change. you've either got uh, Sumlin at a and m they need to be showing something I think with all the hype they get at the start mm-hmm. of every year and the collapses they have through the year he's got to be showing something. I mentioned Butch Jones earlier at Tennessee. I think their fan base is especially being in the SEC East, which if you can't win that, I think that's uh, bodes pretty poorly for him in the future and then I always kind of wonder how uh, Brett Bielema at Arkansas. I mean, at some points they're paying him an That's awful lot of money. I mean, at yeah. some mm-hmm. point, he's got to produce a little something there. I mean, he's, he's also one of those Richmond, kind of comes yeah. close and just sort of eh, never quite gets over a hump either. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. Jim Moore at UCLA, especially yeah. if oh, I I'd, I'd be shocked if trend. Yeah,
2: Mora, yeah. Graham, and Richrod all all are probably on the hot seat out there. Yeah, that, Ar- that yeah. Arizona dual. I feel like anyone in the Big Ten you see
0: otherwise yeah. that could be. I feel like you could always go with Sarkeesian. He's always up for a good firing. And Lane Kiffin. Oh, he's, at, he's at Atlanta now, isn't he? Well, I'm just saying any year, any given year. Oh, sure. What will happen is Kiffin will leave a spot. Sarkisian comes. <laughs> and Kish, you know, oh, and yeah. it just yeah, works yeah. out. Oh, it's Kiffin. adorable. We didn't even mention It's Kiffin. a cute little relationship. So at any year, those guys could be moving. It's great. Yeah, you can say the same
2: <laughs> thing about certain Big Big Ten schools. I think uh, the head coach of Rutgers is always in the hot seat because yeah. they're always going to be Oh, really cool. what
3: is it, Chris Ash or Is that Chris who their coach Ash. is, I believe? So, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's never a good sign when, uh, after your first year, you completely change your coaching staff. It's always been a, you know, mystery to me. It's like you like fire everyone after one year. And it's like, really? I mean, all right, sure. I hope that makes your your fan base happy. All right, that's that's good stuff, guys. Good stuff. I love it.
3: You're listening to the Go Big Redcast,
2: and now Sweet Left. All right. Now on the Go Big Redcast, we are going sweep left, which is our wide-angle view on all things college football, and uh, let's talk about uh, scheduling. You know, I think there's a there's a trend here. Big Ten is on top of this, going to nine-game conference schedules. Uh, this is our first year of that. Uh, there's a few other conferences out there: Pac-12, uh, Big 12. Um, two conferences we're going to do a breakdown here in a little bit, Uh, who also have nine-game schedules. Uh, Guys, what do you think about the Big Ten going to nine games, Uh, pros and cons? Uh, Mac, let's start with you, man.
0: I like the idea, but I think the more conference games, the better. I mean, that's the whole idea. You know, get a clearer picture of who should be where when it comes time to figuring out who's going to the championship game. um, Yeah, I have no problem with it at all.
1: Honk? Well, it's actually the second year for the Big Ten, so we went to it a year ago, and and what I like about it is that I mean, first off, it's just one more Power Five conference team that we're playing. The challenge that comes with it is how you schedule your non-conference. So you have to make sure that you have, uh, if you're playing four home games, then you need to make sure that your three non-conference games typically are home. And then the next game, the next year when you're playing five home games, you can play two and have one one away one. So. But, yeah, last year we just played Wyoming, uh, uh, Oregon, and
2: Fresno. That was it. I am mistaken. I apologize. My notes were incorrect. I'll blame my intern. I didn't want to say anything. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I just, you know, we
1: got to – we want to have one of those podcasts that is uh, as correct as we can possibly be as, as often as we can. and. Now I've got, like, six things I was going to say from last week that I know I screwed up, including Memphis's coach's name, which is Fuente, and I...
2: Justin Fuente. I will never apologize He's no longer he the Memphis coach. Me. He's the Virginia Tech coach, honky. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll just keep on saying DeAndre Francois to you then. When Francois. I, uh, <laughs> <DeAndre> Francois. <laughs> That's a cool name. Whenever I have a problem with the big... All right, so... I I guess my uh, my follow-up then uh, on that is uh, we uh, temporarily uh, banned FCS uh, games uh, with the Big Ten. But now that um, we have the nine-game schedule and we have only four conference home games, it's now allowable to have FCS. Um, What's your thought on that?
3: Uh, Am I I wrong about that, Honky? Please correct me. No, that is the correct ruling. That's all right. right. If we have what four <laughs> four conference home games, you're allowed to schedule FCS, which is kind of disappointing because really, what fan wants to sit and watch us play an FCS game? Does, I does anyone actually them. enjoy those games? Is there anything to be gained by them other than just basic money that you couldn't just get by being scheduling? Scared to the bejesus out of McNeese State, pretty much. Yeah, but if you well, be, it that, a that's the challenge. It's
1: a step in the SEC direction, and unfortunately, because of how the NCAA is governed, as opposed to how the NFL schedules, there's no. Governing board that that makes anything consistent. So you start to hurt yourself by saying, "Okay, we're, we'll we'll be the one conference that does nine game schedules. We'll be the one conference that doesn't play FCS." Meanwhile, the se the SEC goes out and plays eight conference games. They play a a McNeese State in the middle of November, and you know you start to kind of look at it and go, "Well, I mean, I don't like it. I would prefer we don't do it." But are you starting to put yourself at a competitive disadvantage because? You know, you're trying to do something that, that pre- creates better, more competitive games. I don't know.
2: Sure. From a product well, standpoint, I think th- there was a coach out there in one of the media days that was trying to throw that out. I was like, let's just eliminate all of that. And it's just how Power 5 schools play Power 5 sc- schools,
0: you know? I mean, would it be such a better world, right? One thing, I, I don't mind them. I guess I don't care that much. They're easy to schedule on the fly. I could see why they're, you know, they're attractive for an athletic department to do. And it's kind of nice for those low, you know, they get a, a ton of money. It makes a budget for a lot of those programs. So, I don't know. It's it's not ideal, but sure. there I can totally see why some why they happen. And you know, if you can get kind of a local flavor in there, you can kind of help you know, get them get some product seen out there for them as well. I don't know. I <clears throat> It's mm-hmm. not ideal, but like Honky said, if if other teams are doing it, you know, why take the penalty? We played a good enough conference. You know, we're not gonna. If it came down to that, it, I don't know that it's. I've ever seen it come down to the one FCS school they played. You know, bit them in the tail at the end of it when things were being decided. So there's there's yeah. more to factor in on who's going to the playoff than just that one game. I wouldn't be too worried. Unless about
3: you're Iowa scheduling North Dakota State, so there's you know, <laughs> it's true. Small years chalked yeah. it up as an L.
2: Pretty well, much. Just kidding, Iowa. And,
1: and Dave, and Dave, you mentioned the 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 one guy. I think that that said that we should go away from you know or only be playing uh power five schools yeah i'm not as concerned about the fcs programs that get hurt if we ever did something like that you've got mac out there living in fort collins with colorado state that's just built a a shiny new stadium those would be the programs that would be the they would be absolutely destroyed if it ever became just a power five thing you literally at that point you better be a power five school or or bust and you know we're going to talk about the big 12 here in in a few minutes and the big 12 living through it five, six years ago, there are some schools there that, that experienced almost falling off the cliff of not being a power five program anymore. If that conference would have blown up the Iowa States, the Kansas States, and even a a, a school like Kansas with the basketball tradition, rich program that it had, it really found out in a hurry what basketball meant in the, in the greater scheme of things. It, It didn't mean nearly as much as they thought it would. Football was the driver of everything, but anyways, um, I don't know what the answer there is. I just know that when we do something that's not consistent with how the other conferences are, and if we're putting ourselves at a disadvantage, then it's probably best to, to maybe back off a little bit. And what they did, I think what the big 10 did by only allowing an FCS school on your schedule when you're, when you're playing the four game home schedule, uh, since it's, you know, off and on four and five, that I think at least is a reasonable, that's a balanced approach that, doesn't make it where you can play a FCS school every year at least.
2: Yeah, I mean the SEC is notorious for doing these FCS games late in the year, right? I mean they literally mm-hmm. use it as a bye week, um, and we haven't gone to that point. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, a, a, another s- scheduling quirk that is is going to start this year, um, at least on a regular basis, is Friday night Big Ten games.
0: Um, what do you guys think about that, Mac? You know, I don't have a, a terribly strong opinion of it, one way or the other. But I could I can see the argument. Way to li- really really come out at that hard there. Well, well I just really you know there's that. just things that move the needle and things that don't. But I will <laughs> I'd be willing to hear arguments, for, and I probably towards the high school side of things. I like the idea of a Friday Night Lights. I think that should be left for the high schools. And I understand my that's sense is that- irritating for a lot of those fans. But then again, I don't really know how much of an impact that that makes. I. I it, like I said, it's uh I, I'm more prone to lean towards the high school side of things. Leave it alone. And and as far as the Huskers playing it, almost never. Unless I happen to have that night off for some reason. You know, if only if it works out for me personally am I okay with a Friday night
2: game. Let me throw this over to Boomer. I think he actually has a strong. <laughs> Go game ahead, on Boomer, this. hit him.
3: Yeah, quite frankly, I, I hate this idea with a passion. It should be rolled up in a carpet, hit with a shovel, and buried in a cornfield somewhere.
2: <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, yeah, Mac. F- that's night what I wanted games. out of you.
3: This is a horrible idea for college football. I, I, I guess I would let it slide if you know Rutgers or Purdue or somebody wants to do the Friday night game for exposure or whatever. That's fine. And I think you see the general attitude here in the Big Ten when Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and whoever else it was has already said they're not going to do it. And they're apparently getting away with that. And, you know, just looking at it from a Nebraska perspective.
2: Yeah, Riley's made it pretty clear he doesn't like him either. No, I think it's a horrible
3: idea. And just just the logistics alone, can you imagine doing this in downtown Lincoln, having a game that starts at 6 or 7 o'clock? How does it even work?
2: Yeah, clearing got, out all your – Yeah, like, you got to clear your out your business. the
3: downtown, the yeah. the students that are down there for class and everything else that goes on with it. it, it you can't tailgate all day. It kills an atmosphere. Why, why do this other than just a sheer money grab and just sheer TV credit? I mean, right. well, don't we have enough of that already? It. I mean, we, we're losing that college game day experience with every one of these little steps we take. Yeah. And that just, just annoys the heck out of me.
2: Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to experience that on the road this year
0: – in Champaign, because Illinois is doing it, which um, happens to be one of the games that works out for me perfectly. I work Saturday, off oh, Friday, oh. <laughs> and it, and, it, See, it's just and that just for the, that just the sucks for our fans.
1: They can't experience the Champagne experience in all oh, of its glory. But
2: Champagne Urbana is a beautiful setting. <laughs> well, let me champagne tell you, it's just, just gorgeous. Abana in the sky, <laughs> <laughs> they have a they have
1: a nice food truck uh, according to the Food Network uh, or the. BTN Network oh, the, food show that they the had. There was a, yeah, like yeah. A, I hear you. Well, they had wow. one that they highlighted. It was like an egg. I don't know. They made eggs. <laughs> it looked <laughs> delicious. That's not
0: a food truck food, man.
2: <laughs> this segment's going nowhere fast. <laughs> like, here's Please your egg. Move on, you on Dave. Thank you. Move
0: on. Just. <laughs>
2: All right. Let's wrap this up, and we're going to move towards conference breakdowns.
1: Trivia time.
2: All right. It's trivia time. Boomer, what do you got? We're going into the Pac-12 breakdown. Okay, I'm actually setting the clock back a little bit on this. We're going to
3: go to the Pac-10. And my question actually is, who was the first Pac-10 team that Nebraska ever played?
2: Pac-10. And they were in the Pac-10 at the time? Uh, Not
3: technically, but they were a Pac-10 team.
2: Well, sorry, you're saying
1: were they like a Pac-8 team? (laughs) Yes, they would have been that as well. They were in the
2: Pacific...
3: Coast they were in the Pacific Coastal, Coastal conference. conference. Yes. Okay. The the first. Yeah. So I
1: mean, I'll, I mean, without even thinking too hard, immediately 1941 in our very first bowl game in the Rose Bowl, we played Stanford. So that's just a starting point, and we can kind of go from there. That
0: will literally be where I stop.
2: No. <laughs> I, I think we played played schools before yeah, no, then. I, mean. I feel like we played Cal or USC, like probably way back in the 20s, randomly at some point. Um. I wouldn't be shocked if we played Washington or Washington State at some point. You know, I mean, West Coast schools had to stick together back then. I mean, mean, we did occasionally take a a train trip. um, So, a lot of those train trips that
1: we used to – yeah, a lot of those trips we used to take were obviously to the east. I mean, that was a big deal to play, you know, Notre Dame we used to do. You know, in Pitt we would play them on a routine basis. I guess I – that's a good question. I I all I've got is Stanford in, in 41 and I'm sure we played someone before that.
2: I'll go randomly with Cal in 26. <laughs> 26 yeah but can, I like the random year. Did you year. need the year?
1: Cuz I was just you. saying
0: <laughs> UCLA. In
1: can you tell us Boomer fan. at least if assuming it's not Stanford in 41, can you tell us at least who the team is and then maybe we can
0: figure it out from there? You mean the year? Because if he tells us the team, then
3: the game's Yeah, open. tell us the team. That kind of defeats the whole question, yeah, doesn't that's it, the so. Oh, that's the I answer. mean,
1: tell us the year. Tell us the year and maybe the... Oh, well, the year, oh, okay. the year the is the year actually 1916. Recorded. Okay. 1916, okay. Correct. Now, I'm, I'm going to start typing Husker Max real quick. <laughs>
3: <laughs> There's this really I great have. website well, out there called Husker Max. <laughs> I'll save I you some typing here. Yeah. Uh, 1916 we faced uh, then it was the uh, Oregon Agricultural College. They were the Aggies now better what? known as the Oregon State Beavers so better It was actually uh, nice tie-in. Dynamite. It was actually one of the first major western road trips we ever took. It was a multi-day train trip we took. Uh, Coach uh, E.J Doc Stewart was one of the big pushes of this. He actually wanted us to try to schedule more aggressively than we had been doing. Try to get rid of the Dones and the Wabashes and all the other schools we were playing.
0: So we got he got felt Oregon by
3: State. yeah, or the, the Oregon uh, Agricultural College. Then they were actually a power, and they were one of the marquee teams. And then the Pacific Coast Conference. They defeated Washington the week before we played them. That was a big deal for them. And we actually went out and won the game, uh, 17 to seven, with a uh, the only reason. Uh, Oregon even Oregon State even scored was on a 100-yard uh, fumble recovery. And the train trip actually there's a lot of good stories to it. You can uh, read all about it in various uh, newspaper clippings at the time. It was a multi-day <laughs> affair. Thanks. They did a they stopped at various points along the way in Wyoming and Colorado and Idaho and actually had practices to alumni there. There was a big send-off in Lincoln with thousands of people in attendance. They had a slogan for Nebraska, "We Will." And it actually had was a big uh, big push for nebraska and it actually was one of those uh, kind of marquee games that set us in the direction we are today.
0: Michael, did you say that was a bowl game or that was just an away game?
3: No, it was just a it was an actual just game mid-season. We uh, played in Portland of all places, that's quite Oregon fanfare we uh, play for various one game. in Portland. It was. There was quite a bit there that's and It's crazy. Apparently a good alumni base showed up to the game too on the west coast, so it Husker fans have been traveling to away games for years filling up stadiums. It's nothing new. That's actually really cool. Justin that's a great that's a great story
0: about that because Wow, that's, that is really representing. What year was that?
3: Nineteen sixteen.
0: Yeah, quite a while. Quite a while. That's awesome. Wow, dynamite. We learned something tied here. it into Riley too with the Oregon State thing. I was, that oh, absolutely. was beautiful, man. That's an-
2: that was pretty pretty bad of us not to put two and two together. We should. I wanted oh, that's to. like a Jeopardy question. We really should have went for it. Mike's playing four D chess. Not good. Not not good. All right, let's uh, let's talk about Pac twelve here, guys. Um, you know, it's. Uh, uh, conference that produced uh, Washington last year as a a, uh, a champion and a playoff contender didn't do so well against Alabama in that semifinal, but uh, Washington's back again with uh, uh, most of the uh, core team intact, especially in the offense. I think you got Browning and Miles Gaskin back, uh, and then you got USC on the on the south uh, side there. The conference uh, looking particularly uh, strong this year. Most people think Sam Darnold's a Heisman contender uh, after his uh, breakout uh, uh, year last year. Guys, you think it's pretty uh, cut and dry here, USC and Washington, or is there other real threats?
3: Uh, Stanford may be the only other threat, I think, that immediately comes to mind. They've got a lot of returners coming back. Still some questions, you know, can they beat Washington? Maybe.
2: You know the South's been a little a little yeah. quiet uh, uh, recently, but I, I I hear what you're saying. I, I think Shaw has a, a pretty established program there, so uh, I, I think they would have some you know some some traction there to to break through. Yeah, well, if Dave, USC we doesn't win to... the South. I'd be surprised.
1: Yeah, Dave, we Hunk? went to that U- UCLA at Colorado game a year ago. Uh, yeah, that Thursday night prior to the Nebraska Ohio State disaster, but. <laughs> Um, and you've got some good friends up there uh, that are big Colorado fans. I mean, yeah. what's the take up there? I know they lost Levitt to Oregon, of all places, the, the D.C. I mean, what's the take on Colorado? Were they a flash in the pan one year and done? Or is, is there – obviously so their quarterback they, is coming back, and they have a great receiving core.
2: Definitely um, a little bit of a, attrition there, but they are really high on uh, the quarterback, uh, Montez. Uh, mm-hmm. And they do have probably one of the best wide receiving cores in the, in the conference. Uh Fields in particular, so I, I think Colorado will, will be okay this year. They probably overachieved a little bit last year, um, but the, the Pac-12 South is pretty wide open after USC. I don't, I don't see UCLA unless Josh Rosen really comes back and just um, looks dominant. Um, is is that strong? So I, I, the Pac-12 South outside of USC is wide open. So I can see the Buffs having another good year. But uh, I think Levitt was a, a legitimate loss as a D.C. I, I, maybe Oregon will take a little while to, I to, agree. to come back with, with that. But he's a heck of a defensive coordinator. So it uh, should be interesting to see.
1: Boomer, you love the Pirate. I mean, Washington State, Mike Leach, you know, any thoughts?
3: No, I mean, <laughs> again, there's <laughs> – He's there. I think he's in a place he needs to be. Do I see a lot of success for him? No, they always seem to come out and struggle against that weird random FCS team or you know, non-Power 5 team at the beginning of the year. Probably good for an upset here or there, too, but they're certainly nowhere going to contend for the North in the Pac-12 this year. I, I can't see them you know beating Washington or Stanford. This season, I see. So.
1: Yeah, they're such a, a Texas Tech kind of school just to begin with that they're there more to screw other people up than they are to actually win it all themselves. Yeah. They're going to go have and fun
2: I, I th- going 9-3, and three and that'll, that'll be about it.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think, Boomer, you mentioned it, that Stanford might be the one other team that's not USC or Washington, and I agree. I mean Stanford does something different. They are the Big Ten school. Uh, in terms of style, they're the Big Ten school of the, of the Pac-12. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna line up and they're gonna run the ball and they're gonna they play some pretty hard nosed uh, um, football there and that and that kind of negates some of the talent deficiencies that they might have at certain spots or some of the speed deficiencies that they have. They always would have success for some reason against Oregon back when Oregon was you know outrunning everyone. You know, uh, Stanford would be the one team that could just go in there and just beat them up and Absolutely. well that that took care of it. They they SEC or, or Big Ten you know the the Oregon team back then when they were doing it to, when they were just spreading everyone out so I don't know I mean Stanford certainly would probably be the the closest team to the USC in Washington.
2: I have, a, I have another uh, random trivia question, guys. Actually, uh, we mentioned uh, Luke Falk, uh, Washington State. Uh, I was uh, breezing through my uh, Phil Still and uh, getting some nuggets for this conversation. Uh, notice that Luke Falk uh, has the, the Phil Steele recruiting ranking of 156th uh, best quarterback out of his uh, recruiting class. 156. Uh, can you name the two other Power Five uh, starting quarterbacks this year that are 100 or, or lower, essentially, that they had 100 or, or more quarterbacks actually recruited higher than them in their classes? Well, Tanner Lee immediately comes Tanner to Lee mind. Yeah. My... Tanner Lee, 131st. So Luke um, Falk, 156. Tanner Lee, 131. There's another and one. Maybe Thorson.
1: Thorson at Northwestern?
2: Nope. Thorson was 16. Really? Okay. Wow. wow. So the, yeah, the high question started. is, who was okay.
0: lower starting for a Power 5, right? Yeah, so you have...
2: Oh, like maybe six. like
1: Ertz at K-State?
2: Uh, he was like... A, actually, I think he's 102, I believe, Ertz. Good call, though. But not hmm. there's someone else.
3: Did he play for Oregon State in nineteen sixteen? That's about all I've
2: you know before <laughs> here.
0: Answer is no. T- can you get a conference? can I get a conference.
2: Conference is the Big Twelve.
0: Hmm.
1: I don't I don't even know who Iowa State's guy would be, but yeah, or Kansas. I mean Kansas's quarterback is Nope. Good guesses.
2: Not Kansas. Oklahoma State. No, Mason Rudolph very highly regarded. Kansas is is number fifty-eight. Well, wait a second. Iowa State has a very good one. Iowa State. Wait, is Baker's PS eight?
1: Is not Mayfield from Oklahoma?
2: Wasn't he like a ding ding ding? Wasn't he a
1: walk-on transfer or something
0: from
2: Texas Tech? Baker Mayfield, a hundred and tenth.
0: We killed that trivia question half of it all yeah. over it
2: yep it's intriguing though i mean to huh. think about uh, i mean luke fall uh, is definitely on nfl radars baker mayfield heisman t- trophy contender if Tanner lee could fall into anywhere between those two um but it's, it's astonishing to me that a hundred plus quarterbacks had a better recruiting
0: grade essentially than those three guys when they're coming out which well, um, just has to tell you that's such bs because Tanner yeah. Lee, by all accounts, was a pretty good quarterback in high school, too. He was just under-evaluated. I mean, he, yeah, he has crazy. been a pretty good quarterback right. wherever he's gone. I mean, as far as tan- even the tangibles, his height, weight, his release, the, I mean, the, yeah. the arm strength. He has every measurable—it's It's not. It's not like a guy who's— you know, over his skis here. You know, it's not a Joey Gantz Uh, trying to play. Rapid
2: fire follow-up question. Uh, Number one recruited quarterbacks out of their classes. How many of them are starting for a school this year? Silence. Wow. I'm going
1: to say two. I'm going to say Rosen.
2: Rosen, number one. Yep, correct. Yep. Maybe Darnold. Darnold was 12. No. Jeez. Hey, Honky, uh, last week uh, you were high on what, what team out of the ACC?
1: Oh, Pitt with um, t- uh, Sam, uh, oh, the transfer. Max Brown. Oh, no. Max, oh, Max Brown, Brown not, that's yeah. Right. Yep. Sam, exactly. Sam, Max.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But just those two? Mag- Rosen? Nope. Uh, McGuire, what's one of your favorite teams out of the SEC? Georgia. Oh, Georgia. Jacob Eason. Oh, yeah, the hmm.
0: long-haired guy. Huh. Yep. I'll be darned. Yeah. I'm, They're not so high on I'm him still, right now either. There's there's talk that he's they, he may be underperformed a little bit as a freshman, which I think is just ridiculous. I'm, but whatever.
1: I'm still stuck a little bit on the Tanner Lee thing too. With him being ranked so low, is that just the location he came from? Being Louisiana, it just I I get it when a Nathan Enderly comes out of North Platte and is six five and you know ends up at Idaho because at North Platte you're just not going to get the the you know the recruiting you know uh, attention, but Tanner Lee was right from it, but anyways, that's a tangent. There, we'll move on.
2: Absolutely. All right, let's. Uh, all right, let's let's just do some quick uh, uh, conference predictions here with uh, the Pac-12. Um, starting with McGuire, who's your uh, who's your Pac-12 champion?
0: Oh, it's a coin flip between. No, I'm not gonna do that. I'll be I'll be firm. I'll say Washington. I think Washington will do it. I just like I just like the coach. And they're in the playoff. Yeah, I think they are.
2: All right, all right. So they're beating USC in the in the championship game. Yep. Boomer, what do you got?
3: Oh gosh,
2: I love Chris Peterson. It's hard to repeat,
3: so let's just go with USC. Just to, yeah, why not?
2: Yeah. Also in the playoff, I presume.
3: I think if you're winning the Pac-12, you're probably making the playoff this year.
1: Yep. Yeah. Honky. I think the two best coaches in the conference are Peterson and Shaw, and I'm going to go this year with uh, with uh, Stanford Shaw. Nice.
2: I like it. I like it. Uh, you know what? I'm going to echo hockey on that. I've thought about this, and I think uh, Stanford is going to win the North and uh, beat USC. So we'll, we'll go Is Stanford playoff bound then? Yeah, I think so. All right. Yep. Cool. Cool. All right. Being bold there. Uh, let's move on to <laughs> bold. Uh, let's move on to the uh, the Big Twelve, which is made up of ten teams. Um, you know, <laughs> many of them former conference mates of Nebraska. Uh, you know this this one's intriguing to me a little bit because I think it was an open and shut case that it was Oklahoma until uh, Stoops retired, um, and now Lincoln Riley is. 33 and ahead of a major college football program um, just seems ridiculous um, and I'm sure he's he's great they have a, a really solid team around them but I do think it opens up the door a little bit I think Oklahoma State is uh, pretty solid this year especially on the offensive side of the ball um, I don't know if Texas or K-State or others can, can make a run what do you guys think Boomer? Well, Honk? Uh, I was going to mention I a- I think that uh, the
1: Oklahoma losing the the coach in June, you know, I hear about Nebraska having, you know, unknowns and things. That's a weird unknown to have to lose your head coach, your iconic, you know, 17, 18 year coach, and losing him in June like this and now replacing him with a 33 year old. You know, I wish a lot of luck to, to Lincoln Riley because that's a tough position to be in. Um, I'm not just going to make that assumption that they're just going to be number one immediately. I'm not going to make an assumption that Texas is just going to automatically jump this year because they uh, because they have the, the, the new coach. I don't uh, – Oklahoma State, I'm, I'm reading a little thing here where it says uh, Mike Gundy won't need a shutdown defense to push for a spot amongst the top ten teams. Well, that's good because they've never had a top ten defense there at Oklahoma State. I think two teams that don't – they're that are under the radar, if there's ever a year for an under-the-radar team in the Big 12, it's this year – Kansas State and TCU are two schools to, to not sleep on. I think those are schools that that uh, they're ripe to move up the list here this year.
3: At uh, TCU, I, I'm not sold on them. I think they've taken a few steps back from the last couple seasons where they were quality program. We'll know pretty quickly with them. They've got a, I think they play Arkansas in week two, and then match up with Oklahoma State, I think, in week four. So that'll work itself out pretty quickly, whether they're a team for real or not. The Big 12 does have a lot of interesting storylines for the same reasons Dave's covered. Can Oklahoma just reload with a new head coach? And is Herman going to be always cracked up to be with Texas? I mean, he sure succeeded at Houston, and they're getting all that preseason love for reasons, I guess. I don't know. Like they always seem to get. And they should have talent, and can he make that work right away in Season 1 there? I don't know. And Oklahoma State, they always have those... They should always have that breakout season, and they always seem to stub their toe somewhere. In every every chance they ever have, and can they actually make it work this year? I don't know. And then I just kind of want to just personally hope Baylor is a complete dumpster fire this year because no, yeah, they no deserve doubt. it if any school does. So I'm I'm actively rooting against them this season.
1: So I I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on TCU here. I think they, they're in that second year, I believe, with quarterback Kenny Hill and. The the thing that he has around him is he has an outstanding offensive line, receiving core, running backs. All of them are amongst the best in the conference. So uh, you've got a returning QB there. It's the defensive side, and, and I'm talking with you know Gary Patterson there as a defensive head coach. If they can get that back, I think this is a prime year for TCU. They they had won, guy I think 23 games in 2014 and 15, but a year ago that's where they slipped and went six and seven. Well, that that happens, and they were changing QBs and everything, but now. Uh, that's a program, and and I'm going to throw K State in there too. But but TCU right now, I mean that's that's my big big dark horse, I guess. If I, you know, just within the Power Five conferences, even.
3: Now the Big Twelve, they instituted a title game this year, correct? So we're actually going to have a repeat somewhere or matchup again. Correct. All right. Yeah. Correct. It's
2: the top two teams. is not a division setup, so they actually uh, moved Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma from being the last game of the year. To earlier November, um, in anticipation of those two teams potentially being uh, at the top, so uh, yeah, definitely could be a repeat. Well, it will be a repeat because it's a round robin schedule. So yeah, definitely because that makes
3: there. sense, obviously.
2: Yeah, yeah it's well, exactly but you know, why you need. Yeah,
1: it's a guaranteed. It's a guaranteed repeat, but there's so many other repeats that happen in the other conferences. It's not worth. I'm glad that they're. It's a good route for them to go. I'm glad they're doing it. At least gives them the thirteenth game. I presume they're which playing. That's the, game the biggest that's
2: issue that they had before. At Jerry World, is that correct?
0: Oh, to, that's right? a good it's gotta Isn't be. Isn't that the heart yeah. of the Big 12? Yeah, yeah, I mean that's the actual like thumping heart. Is, <laughs> is Jerry World. Well, I know if
1: I lived in West Virginia, that's <laughs> that's my thumping yeah, heart. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, yeah, country roads <laughs> taking me to, to Jerry World. <laughs> but that's where the heart is.
0: I really think I really uh, think right. Oklahoma State, man. If they were ever going to do it, this is the year. Stoops is gone. I, Gundy's got to like make too, his Mac. move now. You know, this yeah. is his chance. But uh, he's, 50. Yeah. he's fifty. He's know, fifty. He's a man. Whatever. He's an old <laughs> man. <laughs> you know. Snyder's hard. He's a man. He's a grandpa. I don't know if K State has any like difference makers on offense or defense, like real, real playmaker types that that that's usually what they require to have a pretty big year beyond just a good year. I don't know Oklahoma State, man. This is—it's time to take control. You know, I think I yeah. think Herman. It, coaching transitions are difficult. I I know everyone's going to say Texas is going to have a ton of talent, and you know Herman was such a good coach that obviously it's going to immediately work out to to more wins. That may happen, but you know these are kids. It takes time in transitions. You know, maybe he gets it done, maybe he doesn't. But I certainly wouldn't bet on it. When you're talking yeah. about Gundy, Charlie Strong good Gundy's coach been too.
2: Yeah, he only got three years, so... Yeah, no, I, I'm actually a bit high on the on the pokes, too. I think uh, Mason Rudolph and James Washington, that offense as a whole, um, can be pretty deadly. So, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll take Oklahoma State uh, as the dark horse you, uh, uh, to, to win the Big 12 this year. I don't think they make the playoff uh, just because it's the Big 12. So, we'll see where that plays.
3: Does anyone actually... See the Big Twelve making the playoffs again this year? They're going to miss it again. I mean, even if it's Oklahoma or Texas, I think this comes
1: back to some of the the you know, almost it's the bias of if it's not a king type of school, a top level school, and in the Big Ten or I'm sorry, the Big Twelve, you really only have the two. You have Texas and Oklahoma. It's always going to be really hard if TCU gets up there. Um. As an example, if it's TCU or Oklahoma State and it comes down to them or USC, them or Washington, them or Stanford, even, I think that's going to be really hard for
0: them to get that, that fourth spot. I think they compare with Stanford, maybe not USC. Definitely not USC.
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, Texas and Oklahoma are going to get a bid uh, way quicker than a, a TCU or an Oklahoma State. So it's just the way it works. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's what happened the first year of the playoff. And, you know, there wasn't an Oklahoma or Texas involved. It was TCU and Baylor. And and they didn't have the 13th game, which was, to me, that was the immediate disqualifier. That was the easy thing about the last three years. It was always easy to disqualify the Big 12 if you had to because they didn't play a 13th game. They had one less data point, you know, so to get into the playoff. Well, that's that's now being taken away this year. So, you know, I I don't know. I mean, that's... I, for me, the the team, the I, I'm going with Oklahoma versus TCU in in the title game, and I I'm going to go with TCU. I'm giving them the giving them the title that or the championship for,
3: for the TCU, Big Twelve right, this year. All
2: right, all right. So Mac and I have already uh, claimed uh, Oklahoma State. Boomer, what, what was your pick?
3: Oh jeez, <laughs> let's just go. I think the championship game will be an all Oklahoma rematch. Uh, what the heck let's go with oklahoma state winning that but again they they won't make the playoffs just for all the reasons we've said they're oklahoma state it's the big 12 they've kind of got that reputation so what the heck so
1: no
2: he's got a no he's got no a
3: night, take in oklahoma he's got a great mullet oh. though so. that's yeah beautiful. i mean logically
2: we should all take oklahoma i guess we're just trying to be you know yeah, he has a steve uh, perry-esque mullet
0: or he could yeah it's he's impressive so no doubt no, it. Well, it should have been gone.
1: <laughs> no <laughs> Wait, are we going to get charged for that? I mean, not the way I sang it, but... Not the way No, hopefully sang it,
2: not. No, Sorry. No. All right. Uh, we did uh coaching hot seat already when we did national uh, for the Pac-12. Anybody in the in the Big 12 that uh, is on that list?
3: Oh, uh, Texas Tech. Uh, oh,
2: Queensberry Yeah, good yeah, point. They've yeah, they've kind of struggled
3: lately in the last few years. I'm not... Not convinced he's not wearing out a welcome there. Pretty soon, I mean, they've kind of fallen off the radar of what they used to be. They used to be competitive and at least having a shot at winning the Big Twelve. And lately, eh. I mean, their defense is pretty much non-existent, even by Big Twelve standards, and that's yeah, that's horrible, pretty ugly. Man. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, that's a good call. Good call. And that—that's his, his, his school, his alumni. So that's that's tough. All right, guys. Uh, anything else in the Big Twelve? Yeah, Iowa State's still there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Still there. And Kansas. Supposedly great coaching staffs there, but they got a long ways to go. Yeah. Uh all right, guys. Uh all right, we covered Pac twelve, Big Twelve. Knocked out Big Ten scheduling, even though I messed that up. Um We we've got a good great show. Anything else you guys want to add before we close out? Parting shot. Hockey.
1: Well, for me, uh, I guess I'd like to give uh, some props to the uh, to Tim Miles in basketball. Um, I'm not even going to begin to try to say the guy's name, but we did get a guy within the 5,000 mile radius, uh, recruiting radius from Iceland, and then also uh, tonight, uh, Brady Hyman, 6'10 center from Plattview High School in Nebraska. He committed as well to 2008 class, 2018 class. So, uh, congrats there. And the Iceland guy should be uh, noted that he is immediately eligible. So he's playing in 2017. So we will have 12 scholarships players now this year. We only have one opening. So congrats to to Coach Miles. Hopefully Nebraska ball uh, gets back on track this year. Boomer. Well,
3: my uh, parting shot, a little unrelated to everything we've been talking about, but I've been inspired by the uh, Minnesotans for Nebraskans uh, guest speaker they had at their golf tournament this year. And my uh, newest uh, quixotic quest is to insist upon uh, James Barron Von Raschka being added to the Nebraska Athletics Hall of Fame. (laughs) Former uh, Big 8 champion wrestler, uh, Olympian, or would have been without an injury. Uh, I believe he played in the football team and a stellar, stellar pro wrestling career. Just does not get the credit he deserves. He should be in there.
2: What was his uh, signature move? Was it the claw? The iron right? claw. Yes. Iron correct. claw. Mm-hmm. Right. It was like a sleeper hold of some sort, right? had uh, just
3: a straight up claw. He originally had the Prussian sleeper before that, and he adapted oh, to the. Oh yeah, claw. that's yes. what I
2: was thinking of. I totally
0: yeah. All right, uh, Mac, what do you got? No real parting shot today. I feel I feel very at ease with what's going on in the program right now. I'm in a, I'm in a zen place. I want I want some people to come along with me. We're gonna be fine. We're going to be just fine. Awesome. I love it.
2: I love it. Well, I'm going to avoid uh, interacting with any sort of recruits on Twitter because it's just wrong (laughs) and a bad idea. So uh, let's uh, keep it real for the the next week, and we'll look forward to uh, talking to you guys next week on the Go Big Redcast.